Well, hello and happy Friday and welcome to Journey to Wholeness, where we share our journey of how God mended our broken pieces and guided us to wholeness and purpose. And I am your host, author, speaker, and writing coach, Indiana Tuggle. And as you know, I help women to heal from emotional trauma and achieve emotional wellness through writing, through the power of their pen. And I am excited that we have a phenomenal guest in the studio on today. And and we have Dr. Joni Cruz Craig. And Dr. Cruz is the founder and CEO of Heart to Heart Services, LLC, Heart and Soul Creations of H2H, and Heart to Heart Publishing, LLC, where she provides a myriad of services from consulting, catering, mentoring, life coaching, speaking, and helping aspiring authors amplify the power in their voice through book publishing. So we're not going to call her Jack of All Trades, Master of None. We're going to call her Jack of All Trades, Master of Many, because she has a lot um, going on, and I'm excited to hear her story, to hear her journey of how God gave her beauty for ashes. So please help me welcome Dr. Joni Cruz Craig. Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you today? I am excited <laughs> about sitting down with you. As I was looking at the notes and your questions, I um, identify a lot of um, similarities in our own um, healing process and just what we've been through in general. So I'm excited to hear um, your story, excited to hear your testimony, and really what God has done in your life. So I believe in just getting started. Let's get to it. So tell us your testimony testimony and what God has done in your life. All right. Well, first I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the space and thank you for your obedience. Um, it's just been here lately that I really unmuted myself and began to share my journey. Like I wrote it but never like talked it. And it was hard for me to even understand like my journey and all the testimonies that were layered within it before I start writing, I was still going through that process, like that journey to wellness. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I saw all the pieces. I felt all the pieces. I felt the pain. Sometimes, a lot of times, did not understand the pain from, you know, from a child all the way up until adulthood. Um, so it was a journey of true wellness for real. Um, so, you know, I, I, I used to think that it all started, when I was five years old. That's what I would tell my family when I first started writing a couple of years ago. I was like, I could trace it back to the moment it all started. It was when I was five years old, and we was in the car, and Daddy was chasing us out the projects we lived in, and Mama had to make a left turn, and we were on two wheels, and I heard, Skirt, and my Daddy was shooting at us, and I was five, and my brother was trying to get me in the car. So I felt that that was when fear entered my soul, and mm -hmm. when, like, it was like, felt like, a whole life full of trauma and drama and pain and abuse in a lot of different ways. So that's what I used to think. Um, as I've grown on in the journey, um, I now realize that this started back from conception, like in my mother's womb, right? I realize, you know, today I understand that a lot of it comes from generational stuff. Some things come from genetics. Some things are tied to, you know, adverse childhood experiences and ACEs, which are all of the trauma that children live by or we live by and don't even realize what's going on. And we start picking up a lot of things and living through a lot of things and start 
it starts blurring our lens as a young young person, if that makes sense. It does makes perfect sense. Yeah, what what we go through um, impacts us, and that was interesting how what you said about it starting um, in the womb, because a lot of times we can't um, trace that. You know, um, I remember um, just having a, a discussion with um, one of my cousins, you know, um, about, you know, childhood and, and grandmother and, 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 and her father and her sisters and the things that they went through and uncovered a whole lot of emotional illnesses, mm-hmm. some rape, some molestation, you know, from generation to generation. And it was just an aha moment because we, we, we don't understand that a lot of the stuff that we go through is a spirit that's attached to us from the Ooh. generations on down, you know, and the, and that's all the enemy has. The enemy has those, has no idea who you are. However, he does know your past. So he's okay. keeping track of what's going on from the lineage um, down. We not. So he knows what to attach to people, you know, based on the past. So it's up to us to cut those ties and, um, and things like that, but we don't, we don't, we can't fight what we don't know. You know, a lot of times we don't even know what we're up against because we just don't talk. You know, especially in the black family, we don't talk about stuff. What happens in my house stays in my house. We don't talk um, about that. So let's get into how um, you really started to unravel a lot of your issues. So. Um, it was later in life for sure. Um, I, I had gone through many other things on top of, you know, thinking it started at five years old, knowing it started back into the womb and, you know, as you said, lineage, generations. But then it started, like, becoming complex, right? So, you know, in the home, I was in a, in a toxic home. I, I had a mother and a father in my home, and all of my friends, all of my brothers and sister friends, they thought we had the best life ever because we had a mama and a daddy. That was such a misconception because though mm. we had a mama and a daddy, our home when nobody else was around was very toxic. Um, my father, he was the older child, you know, the oldest child of his family, and he was the only child by another man. So him growing up, he was abused in his own way. He was rejected in his own way. He received love in a very tainted way. So as I got older and realizing that, I realized why we didn't get the love from daddy. Like, you know, me and my sister and my brothers, we were looking for daddy love. We didn't get that, but mama was a nurturer. So we got the mama love. We got to go into the church. We got the spirit. We got seeing mama speak in tongue and fall out on pews and don't get hurt. Like, we've seen that spiritual side, but we also had to live the, the ultimate opposite of my father being, a, you know, a drug, a drug addict, a womanizer, you know, a, in, a life of infidelity, a life verbally cursing us out, in which it led to, you know, psychological things as well. So, Mm. you know, those are just parts of my testimony. And then as I grew up, you know, I started seeking, of course, what? Love in all the wrong places. First of all, I didn't even know what love was outside of what mama gave me. But I'm a hush and let you come in here, and then I'll pick up with how that love took me on the journey (laughs) or that seeking took me on the journey. (laughs) You know what? You said so much um, in that because a lot of times 
when I classify, you know, fatherless daughters or um, fatherless sons and fatherless daughters, we oftentimes want to lump everybody into this, well, daddy wasn't there. But what happens when daddy was there, but daddy was toxic or daddy was in and out, you know, mm. and all of that that comes along um, with that. Because I, you reminded me of the fact that, you know, I had the same thing, you know, mama and daddy was in the house, you know, but daddy was on drugs, daddy was using drugs, daddy was a, was beating mama, you know, and daddy was a, a, a womanizer and abuser. We never saw him cheating. We never, you know, saw that. But, I mean, you can assume that he was. He was doing everything else, you know. So um, you having to go through all of that in the home, you know, and they weren't married. My mother and father, they were not married, but he was still there and in and out. And then when my mom finally did leave him, he became in and out. So it became daddy was there, daddy was toxic, then daddy left. So you felt the abandonment and the rejection, you know, of him leaving because even though <laughs> – he was toxic while he was there. As a child, you don't you don't think about it that way. You don't think I'd be better off without daddy. You don't think that. You know, so going through all of the fatherless daughter scenarios and it does push you into seeking um love in all the wrong places because even though mama, you know, did the best that she could and she loved you and she nurtured you and and took you to church, mine didn't take me, she sent me, you know, to church. But even though she did all of that, it's still something about love from daddy. Yeah. You know, that that pushes us into that seeking love in all the wrong places. So, yeah, let's get into that journey. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that, and that's a whole journey. Before I go there, I just want to say, you know, that period that I talked about with all that drama, it brought forth, like, abuse, like I said, from Betty in verbal ways, you know, emotional ways, but it also had some sexual abuse attached to it, not from my father, but from family members. Like, it was a whole lot of spirit of perversion in my family that I didn't understand until I became walking into my spiritual journey and started walking mm -hmm. as a spirit on a journey, right? So I just mm -hmm. wanted to put that caveat up there because it makes more sense as to, for me now, and I'll say this, this is a healing moment. For me now, this is the part that helps me to understand that I did not have to walk in shame or doubt anymore because of the things I had lived in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. Once I realized that I did not have to walk in shame or doubt anymore because of all of the things that happened in my life from the different abuses and everything, that's when I had major healing. That's mm. when a lot of deliverance came. So leaving that part of life and that happening, you know, even into my, you know, teenage, adolescent, teenage, young adult, I was still very promiscuous, right? Mm -hmm. Because to me, I was seeking love. I was very vulnerable. I was very naive. I was morbidly obese because my out through all of this trauma, I didn't do drugs, but I became a food addict. I became yes. an emotional eater. And so that yeah. was my go-to. That's where I got my, my – that's what made me feel good. So, you, you know, know, I became that emotional connection with food associated with love, I can definitely um, relate to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, no. And I'm just being very authentic and open and real. Like, it is my story. So I'm telling it. I'm, I'm unmuted. But I did. And so I became morbidly obese and also speaking of love. So, you know, promiscuous. What happened? I became pregnant, 17-year-old pregnant teenager, high school senior. Went through that piece, and the story behind that is really one that amazes me now that I look back because I ended up writing my cousin's friend who was in prison. We started becoming, you know, buddies, writing back and forth. He gets out of jail. I tell the story to go up there and see him and get pregnant the first time I see the guy. Didn't even really know. Except for in jail. And on the back end of that, he told me after the encounter that I was pregnant. And I was like, what? So, you know, I know now that God being a lot of stuff, too, and I know my son was a blessing, but he told me I was pregnant. So, anyway, I went through that and missed my high school graduation <laughs> because uh, my son was born on June 3rd, and graduation was June the 3rd, and the doctor said I could not walk. So, you know, I had I was, I went into education, um, and I really put a lot into education. So I want to lift that up about my father, too. Though he brought those toxic elements, he didn't play about education, and it made me be very, very cognizant about school and not bringing a seat into his house because I was afraid I was going to get a whooping. I so, know that feeling. That, my, my mother was the same way. You're going to go to school. I can't help you because my mom dropped out in ninth grade. She was like, I can't help you, but you're going to get you some help, and you're not bringing anything less than a C. But my brother, on, less than a B, I couldn't bring home less than a B. But my brother, on the other hand, he could bring home C's and D's, cut school and everything. But me, I had to be nose down in the book. Yeah. It's yeah, amazing yeah, how <laughs> we pick up on the one um bright spot in it and kind of propel ourselves through it because I was the same way. Education was my way out. I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a diploma. I'm gonna get a degree because the people around me, they ain't have none of that and I ain't want their life. <laughs> I wanted another yeah. life. So let me go in the opposite direction of what I see y'all doing. Okay, right. Go exactly. ahead. <laughs> it, yeah. That that pushed me so I was doing that. And so missing my graduation was a very painful and traumatic moment for me because, you know, I was graduating with honors. I was looking forward to it. You know, it was just I was really looking forward to it, and I couldn't do it. So I was very hurt. Um, and then I vowed at that time that I never missed another graduation. So moving on, you know, I graduated from high school, went to college. My mom sacrificed so much to keep my son from me the first couple of years I was in school because, like, I couldn't have him in go to school because I went two hours away. And so, you know, when I told her I was pregnant, I was crying, and she was like, why are you crying? I was like, because I'm not going to be able to go to college. And she said, yes, you are. Do whatever I have to. And she did. So I'm so grateful for my mother for that. But in the midst of all of that, you know, going to college, really didn't, you know, had a relationship, but it really wasn't a lot because I was really focused on school. So I didn't really get myself entangled in seeking that. Like I just hung on to something to have something, and, you know, once it was done, it was done. Um, in the midst of going to school, I faced homelessness. Um, mm. I had moved off campus and moved into a place with somebody I was dating, and things didn't work out, and I ended up not having an apartment for a minute. I was still working, but I didn't have an apartment. And one of my classmates opened her house to me, and I had to sleep on a couch and, you know, take wash-ups in the half bath downstairs. And, you know, it was just a really, really sensitive space that I didn't even realize, oh, my God, I was homeless at one time. But, you know, I was able to then move and 
get into another apartment. And as soon as I got into another apartment, not a month later, my dad, who my mom had separated from, but had my son and my baby sister lived in the same town, he started stalking her, like looking in her windows with guns and things of that nature. And my son was afraid. My sister was afraid. My mother was afraid. And it was just a very toxic situation. And I couldn't even do my studies. I was going to quit school. And mom, you know, she didn't want that. So I actually had to send someone to get them one night over in the night and bring them up to where I was in school um, two hours away, and we all started living together. I finished school. Praise God. <laughs> and then um, after that section, I started teaching because, I, you know, I loved education, had done a lot of things through school. Just I was a worker and a schooler. So I started teaching, and I faced a whole nother trauma back to back. I went into a school where I was one of two black teachers, faced a lot of microaggressions and implicit biases. And as a first-year teacher, it was the hardest thing ever. Like, I here I was this first-year black teacher in this affluent white school in um, a county in North Carolina, and I wasn't good enough, and they were very boisterous about that, right? So it just put a lot of doubt into my soul. And I remember leaving mm-hmm. that school on October 31st in 1996, 1997, and that was my first year teaching. We were going to D.C. because my brother was ill, so me and my mom got in. I had my little green grade book. You know how I don't know no people just had a grade book where you grade you put your uh, grades in by hand. And I was teaching graphs. So I put the graphs into the book. You know, we was riding. We went up there, saw my brother on the way back. I said, oh, my God, I need to grade these papers. So I was grading papers. And next thing I know, I was being called to Lorray, Lorray. That's my middle name. That's what my mom called me. So all of these people, I woke up, and I was surrounded by ambulance, my mom hollering, blood coming out her arm, blood shooting out my face. And, like, vividly I see this happening still. And the ambulance people start asking me, what's your name? What's your birthday? You know, just questions to see if I was coherent. I was answering them. At the same time, I had blood drawn going down my throat. And so they Mm -hmm. had to cut me out of the van with the jaws of life at the same time trying to, you know, suction blood out of my my mouth. So I remember they got me out. They got me on the gurney. They got me into the ambulance. And when I got into the ambulance, by the grace of God, that's okay. I got into the ambulance, and they, I took the suction thing from the paramedic because I was still, I couldn't breathe because the blood was going down my throat so quickly. So I was able to position the suction thing to grab that blood so that I could get released. And I'm just grateful that I, God gave me the strength to do that. Got to the hospital, had to have emergency surgery because my nose was crushed in my face. So I had shattered and scattered and shaved bones all in a crushed up area in my face with no nose. So they had to do an emergency surgery and place my nose back together Sew my face up because it was split from, like, above my eyebrow, down through my nose, down through my lip. I had broken ribs and teeth was all messed up, just a lot of things. Face is very distorted. But he put my nose back together, so I'm grateful to God for that, right? Um, Ended up in the hospital there for um, about seven or eight days in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and uh, came back home. And, you know, that was a journey. 
that's that's part of the journey too because that was traumatizing. I had PTSD. I couldn't drive for a while. I wouldn't ride with people for a while. To this day, people when I ride with someone, I get on their nerves so bad because I still have that anxiety from the car accident and even when I drive. So you know, it's just been something that's been with me for life. Past that, got past that. God saved my life. Got you know, went through therapy, went through plastic surgery, had kilo in my face, had to get surgery again continuing to do that, didn't go back to work as a teacher because I couldn't for some time. And then we made the move back to my hometown because we realized when we went through that traumatizing experience, we didn't have a support system where we were. And this, remember, I had moved my mom, my sister, my son where I was. So then we moved back home. And when I got back home, of course, you know, I had got money from the accident. So I bought a house and we moved in. It was, you know, me and my family, something we always wanted. We was out in the country. I always said we wanted a double wide. That had, that was the dream I had because I grew up in the projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from little house to house, we moved like six times. So the, my new my mama always wanted a double wide. So I got an acre of land. We got a double wide. We all lived together. Had a wonderful time for some time, you know, tried the thing out with my son's father again. That didn't work. So here go the relationship cycle. So he got to say, okay. I'm going to test you. <laughs> so, again, the same cousin that I met my son's father through, he introduced me to another person. I hadn't learned any lesson because I didn't have no wisdom at the time, okay? So mm-hmm. I, of course, talked to this person, and they end up coming to my house. And when I tell you, I'm not going to go through every detail, but please know <laughs> that it was leveled layers and leveled layers of trauma, abuse, um, you know, just a straight using and taking and all of that. So I actually met Beelzebub himself. That's exactly how I explained that, that area of my life. Within this period of my life, I, we were getting ready to go out of town, me and Beelzebub, and I was having a lot of pain in my side. And um, we were sitting in the movie, and we were going to go to the caverns that night because I wanted to see waterfalls for the first time. Mind you, I've never seen waterfalls yet from this night. So I went to the hospital because the pain was different. Come to find out, I had a mass in my kidney, my left kidney. I was 23 years old. Not A couple of days later, I'm in a hospital having a left nephrectomy where they took out my kidney. They went in with the plan to take half my kidney and end up taking the whole kidney because when he went in, the tumor was in the middle, and if he had cut it, it would expose my body, of course, to the tumor. So he had to make the decision to take the whole thing. Well, to this day, praise God, no more issues, no more cancer, didn't have to have radiation, didn't have to have any chemo or anything like that. However, I still came out, I healed, and I stayed with Beelzebub. I was totally out of my mind. It was totally unnatural. I was in some type of phase of life where I was blind. I had my family that saw what was going on, questioning who is she. I'm questioning who am I. And, you know, this person was really doing things outside of God to have the life that they desired through Mm. using me. Mm. Okay? So I was in a web. So I was so deep in the web, I moved to Atlanta with this soul. Me and my child alone. Whew, my God. Wow. Um, it, 
You yeah, give me. I need to take a break. <laughs> that was you've been through a lot, you know, and and I know we can't get into everything, you know, on um this one show. So fast forward to how you how did you identify or when did you identify that you really truly needed to heal? Um, so after moving to Atlanta, it was a, in a series of things, but on September the 11th of 2001, when the Twin Towers went down, I was being chased up a main street in Atlanta by the person I had moved to Atlanta with um, after having an uh, abusive, abusive moment in the home that morning. And I ended up on the phone with the police and you know, it was just a lot. When I finally got to them, they met me at the police precinct. They hid my truck. They took me into the precinct, and it was like, you know, what happened? I had to go through that. Long story short with that, you know, my mom had to come in from North Carolina. I had to go get a restraining order. Come back to the place where we shared, you know, lived in the apartment, and I saw this person with a car full of stuff. And I told the police, that's not his stuff. And they said, Letting go, ma'am, just letting go. <clears throat> so I said, okay, went in the house, and there went my curio cabinet full of elephants because I collected elephants, busted up, drug out to the trash can, went into the room, the sheet was off the bed, um, all of my clothes out of the drawer, all of my clothes out of the closet. All pairs of my shoes had one shoe left behind and one shoe gone. Um, all of my medicine, all of my jewelry, all of my keepsakes, anything that was precious to me was taken from me in that very moment. Um, I was distraught, of course. Um, and so the next day I got up having to go to the courthouse to handle some more business. And God told me, the Holy Spirit said, look at your tank. I looked at my tank and there was sugar on the ground. So I drove a Navigator, Lincoln Navigator, and I had to then call the tow truck to get the tow truck to tow it so they could drop the tank and all that because I could have messed up my car. Mm-hmm. I ended up back dealing with this person, mind you, and my mom came to Georgia to make sure that the charges were not dropped. She intervened for me because I was not in my natural mind. And after that, they did a court-appointed therapy. And I ended up having to go to, like, this group therapy with women who were going through abusive relationships, had gone through that, was going through it. And when I ended up in that room, I learned a lot. I started waking up because I was in a slumber. So I started waking up to, you know, who I was, what was going on. You know, I had my son. I was a single mother yet dealing with all of this. And just hearing these stories made me realize, whoa, this ain't nothing right about what you're going through. And so going through the therapy and those different tactics and things of that nature helped me to realize that I was really in a place. So I started my journey. You know, I started reading the Bible all the more. I had come up in church, right, but I didn't have a relationship. So, you know, I started reading my Bible, and I couldn't understand anything I was reading. In the, I mean, I couldn't re- understand nothing, but I still kept reading. I still kept praying. And I remember in my bathroom in that apartment, um, and this was after I had to go to my apartment because I fleed my apartment after he did all that stuff and my mom had to leave. I gave her my son and I went into hiding. Hmm. And I about lost my absolute mind. I about lost my career. I about lost everything and anything I had because I was a 
afraid. So after coming out, Mama intervened and ended up in therapy. I, you know, I started more of my spiritual journey for real, for real. And I remember a breakthrough in my bathroom because I started going to church and they was like, you know, praying your heavenly language. I was like, I don't know what any of that is. So I remember just started talking and my language came. And I would go in my bathroom in this apartment and I would just pray and I would just cry out to God. And I remember being lifted. I remember being freed. It felt like something left and leaped away from me. And I began to wake up. It's like scales were removed from my eyes. And so I got this yearning for God, and I just kept going deeper. And, you know, things happened, and that person ended up out my life after some other stuff. But then I went through a series of bad decisions in relationships. Still, even mm-hmm. as my eyes were speaking, even if I, when I was yearning, even though my eyes were opening, I still was making some very unwise decisions with relationships, still just wanting to have that love, have that companionship. Went through a couple of relationships, a couple of bad ones, um, you know, just a whole cycle of stuff. And God just continued, and I remember he took me in 2013. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I had walked away from my house because I had got behind on my house. I filed bankruptcy. And, you know, nobody told me I had to leave my house, but because I was behind, I was getting these threatening letters, I was afraid. So I left my house and started renting a house from a friend. My house was just sitting here. And in that house, God did a work. Jesus. In that house, God took me on the inside of me and continued to cleanse me, show me me. You know, took me to the word, giving me clarity, giving me insight, filling me with knowledge, and I really went through a transformation from the inside out. Mm. And it wasn't a very pretty experience. It wasn't, it was a lot of pain, but I know that that pain was ordained, and I started feeling like I was truly layering and leveling through this process of ascension. Mm. So I had to really see me. You said something when we started about, we can't, we can't um, do anything about what we don't know. So God started revealing me to me. So I had to start dealing with me. And so I went through that process, and I started getting so much clarity in my life, understanding in the truth, being able to truly transform at the heart level and deal with those things that I had suppressed and oppressed in my spirit that were down into this dark heart. Like, I started seeing myself, and I was like, oh, my God, that's how I treat people? That's how they see me? Mm. And, you know, so I, I went into this thing of guilt and shame and doubt all over, but then I was, he was pulling me out as I was seeing all over. It was painful. And so I came out, and then I made up my mind, I'm not going back in. And mm. I was strengthened, and I began to walk in spirit, and that's where my daily mantra arrived in that process where I started talking to myself. And I said, die, flesh, die. Rise, Holy Spirit, rise. And I realized that I had to subdue my flesh because my flesh was an absolute mess. That's where all of that drama and trauma and heartache and pain lived within my flesh, and I acted out of that flesh. So when I was able to submit all the way to the Holy Spirit, once I understood really who he was, who I was, from whence I came, and all of that good stuff, that's where my healing came in. And I began to get bolder and more confident through the word by filling my spirit up. I became very cognizant of my portals, what I looked at on TV, 
what I listened to to go in my ears, the environment I went around, the conversations I had, what I was reading, I became very cognizant to feed myself this soul, this vessel positivity. Mm. So that's where the real healing came in. I know I talked for a while, and I'm a hush because you may have something. <laughs> you did, and um, we we have some amazing nuggets in here. I couldn't even write down everything. I couldn't write fast as you were talking. Um, but um, we're winding down, and I wanted to um, before we got out of here to what specific steps, if you could put it into some specific steps um, to help identify your healing process, because somebody wanted to ask you, but. How did you heal? What did you do? You know, if you could put it in a brief <laughs> um, synopsis of the steps that you specifically went through, what would they be? Um, the very first step was truly realizing that I was in a space that wasn't of God. Truly coming to that understanding, you know, just the whole that piece. Then the second and most important piece is truly making up your mind to deal with yourself. Get to know yourself. Accept the things that are revealed about yourself. Do what you got to do to heal yourself and be okay with being you and being lo- and loving you, forgiving you, apologizing to you, truly coming in tune with oneself in spirit and understanding who you are. That is the most important step of the process, period. It is. It really is. I love how you said that, being okay with you, because a lot of times um, people come into the healing process and they look to do this whole 180 change, and a lot of times it's not about change. It's about getting to the core of who you are, who you were before the pain, who God created you to be, you know, before you interacted with all of these, I call it devils, (laughs) in your life, you know, of people who were not in the will of God. Before you interacted with that, you know, who, who did God call you to be? Who are you? And then how those experiences shaped, you know, who you are, you know, and learning how to be okay, like you said, be okay with you, learning how to, um, change the toxic patterns that 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 have um come about in letting God um lead you into that change because we can't do it by ourselves you can't do it by your own might you can't um do it by you know just speaking affirmations you need God to lead you you know because that old person that old mindset it tries to creep up you know so um I love your um mantra die flesh fly die flesh die rise holy spirit rise you have to do that every day every day because um like we were talking about before the enemy knows your past he knows that very well, almost better than you, you know, so he's going to continue to throw it in your face. He's going to continue to um, to try to get you tripped up. He's going to continue to try to send people your way to, to help make you mess up. So you have to, you know, say, Holy Spirit, rise, because you need God to see for you. You need God to, the Bible tells us that we are not ignorant of his disguises, where if you're not in God's presence, you don't have no relationship with God, you're going to be ignorant. <laughs> Because you don't have, you know, that 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 all seeing, all knowing God going before you, you know, um, because the enemy know his job, 
he know his purpose. He know it very well. You know, so he, he come to steal, kill, and destroy by any means necessary. So, And he does that by constantly reminding you of your past. So we have to constantly remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. You know, and I love how you said forgiving you and apologizing to you because, you know, that's what creates that shame because you can never forgive yourself. You constantly want to tell yourself, well, I should have known better. No, no, no. You shouldn't have known better. It it happened because you didn't know better. You weren't taught better. You know, you know better now. You can't you can't judge yourself. You can't use the healed you to judge the broken you. you just Ooh, absolutely Girl, I, I know I'm writing that down. You cannot yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, because otherwise you'll still you'll create another shackle. You know, you you create another bondage. You don't you don't create you don't dug yourself another hole, put yourself in another uh cell, um so to speak. When you do that, you know, so we have to stop doing that. And like you said, forgive you, apologize to you, and let the Holy Spirit guide you into moving forward. Um, I know we talked a lot um about your testimony, what you've been going through. Um, but before we get out of here, I wanted to introduce the audience to your books because I know that you are an author as well. So tell us about um some of the books that you have out. Yeah, and I'll just take this time to share the main book, which was my first one. Um okay. so I I'm I moved from um Atlanta to D.C. for another position. I was a school teacher for 17 years. So I left the school system, left the classroom, and went to do more national work for education. And in that process, it took me away from everything I was familiar with, me away for six months from my husband, um, living in somebody's house, working in a new job up in Washington, D.C. So God took me through a process, and once my husband got up there and we got settled, he took me on a 40-day journey. And every day he would just sit on me with a certain scripture, with a certain topic, with divine insights and divine downloads. And I started a Facebook group called Transforming the Salt, which is salt is salt, um, um, excuse me, spots and wrinkles, because God has called me to the heart. That's why he took me deep inside mine and transformed me from the inside out. He transformed my heart, which transformed my mindset. And so I captured this for all those days he gave it to the built-in audience, and then I started writing my autobiography. So I started writing out an outline and all of that because I was just in the scribing mode. He had me there. And then he stopped me because I had to relive all the pain points that I shared with you and some, and I found myself reliving it, crying, and feeling every emotion again. So that was, I think, another space of healing for me. And then he told me, now take everything I gave you for this Facebook group and create a devotional. Mm. So it was my testimony that turned into a devotional book that is really an application book. So every day has a theme. It's day one, you know, about my father's business. I created the graphics in the book using an app type of rama. He gave me, you know, the overview, scripture, everything. And so it's in a book with lines. And so now that was the first book. And I put it out, and it was a lot of great feedback from those that actually took the time and um, used the tool and went through the 31-day journey. And from that, you know, I got some testimonials and started learning more about it. And just last year, 
you know, after doing that, I did another book called Power Kingdom Mindset where I took 28 authors on a journey and helped some of them become first time in the anthology, and it was all about mindset and different things in the kingdom mindset that they've had to live through, such as faith and love, um, apology, which is what I wrote on because I had to apologize to me, and all of those other things. And then God took me back to this first book, and he helped me to create a master class called the Inside Out Master Class. So I have been doing the 31-day journey, you know, every once in a while on Facebook Live in a closed group that people that wanted to do it. And I had all those recordings. So, again, he had me to repurpose the content. Mm-hmm. So remember, he had me in Transforming the Thought, gave me all content, then he said put it in this devotional book, set it up this way. Then he gave me the master class to align to that book, which is a 31-day master class. So then I took the videos from where I had walked people through the process and put it onto a platform where people could sign in, listen to the videos, they would have the book, and I had a journal that I created at the same time because the vision that he gave me, it was once they start this journey in this 31-day devotional, if they truly do it, they're going to need more space to write. There's not enough lines in the book. So I created a journal that um, correlated to the book so that they could then go over and continue to write, which another goal he gave me said that people that truly go through this process, by the time they finish, they would have a manuscript. They would have their own book. So the master class came, and I'm in a second cohort of that now, and those videos are really saving people. It's helping people. I meet with them once a week in a group coaching session. They go through the seven days in between. We talk about it. They finish up. And another purpose of that is to help people to shift into a lifestyle of devotion and meditation and praise and worship, like putting 30 minutes on the calendar no matter what to have your time with God. So that's sort of one of the projects that I've done um, that's really near and dear to my heart because it is my story that has so much purpose, and I'm able to talk through and help people to go through on that journey, to go down on the deep side, inside of themselves to look at their true heart, to look at themselves in a mirror. So when people take the class and I send them the stuff, I have a mirror that I branded that I send in the package because I tell them I need you to look at yourself often. Mm. Look at the man in the mirror. So that's 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 the one one thing that I would share around that. That's amazing. So how can we connect with you and get access to the books um, and the services as well? So the books, um, all the books, if you go to Amazon, um, you can look up Dr. J. LaRay. That's the name that I scribe in. And all of the books are there. It's about seven different books, that one particularly. But you can also go to my website if you would like to look at the services that I offer, look at the master class, um, and order an autograph book. You can go to Dr. J. LaRay at hearttoheartservices.com. And that's Dr. J. L. E. R. A. Y. at and it's H-E-A-R-T-T-O-H-E-A-R-T services.com. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cruz, for coming and sharing your testimony, coming and sharing your journey, coming and sharing your strategy um, of how you healed. It was very informative, and God has taken you a mighty, mighty, mighty long way, as the old saints say. And we are just amazed that um, you're still standing, first of all, in how you are using this to really flourish and to really stand in your kingdom authority. Um, I thank you again for coming on the show. I um, wish you all the best, and I can't wait to, now that we're connected, we're going to be connected, and I can't wait to see (laughs) what else God does um, in your life. 
So, um, again, just thank you, and thank you all for listening to Journey to Wholeness. Um, as always, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to email me at info at indianatogo.com. Leave me your questions, your concerns, etc. If you want to check out my books and my services, you can do that at www.indyrights.com. That's I-N-D-I-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. There you can see the books, you can see the courses. Um, you can see the t-shirts, you can see all of that good stuff that God has placed on the inside of me to help us to achieve emotional wellness. And as I always say, remember that there is purpose in your pain. Good night.